Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Mother Truck in Truth. Good morning, Liberty. I'm Chuck Thompson. This is Nate Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Yeah. And um, I just had to announce that what we talk about here is the truth. The truth. Yeah. It Will it... I, what I want to know is, is it going to set us free? Mm, it will. TBD. I think it will. We'll figure that out, okay? Uh, Charlie and I had an interesting weekend. We went and saw Mission Impossible 7. Mm. We went... um, I don't think I've seen any since, like, 2. So for me, I just kind of... 2 was terrible. That's the worst one. I saw Mission Impossible, and I think I saw Mission Impossible 2, and then I skipped 5. 3 was one of the best ones because Philip Seymour Hoffman was the uh, bad guy in it. And And then I went and saw 7. Just so you know, you can watch... These oh, stand alone. They really don't connect. I didn't. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel like I was missing anything. No, they don't. They don't connect. Yeah. So you're uh, you're fine if you just want to go see seven. Yeah. But at Tom I Cruise or- looks the same, maybe just slightly older. <laughs> I ordered the tickets for the movie, and I I was very careful in my choice. Spent for hours research. I did nights. I was on there researching the best theater to go to because it wasn't an IMAX anymore. I already saw the IMAX. If you don't know anything about Nashville either, so Nate and I live about 45 minutes apart, and I live next to a theater that's about 10, 15 minutes from my house that has an IMAX there, but it's not true IMAX. It's not a true IMAX, okay? The screen's a little bit smaller. It actually can't fit, you know, the the typical shot IMAX, even though they say it is. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's big enough to qualify as an IMAX, but not a true IMAX. In my head, I call it a Trimax because it's trying to be an IMAX, but it fails. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but to uh, Nate didn't want to drive out here. Uh, so to avoid it also that. also wasn't in that IMAX. Uh, Oppenheimer was in it. Oh. Uh, yeah. But also to avoid thing. that. Yeah. To avoid it, Nate did extensive research and thought... That he found the solution. I did. Um, <laughs> we went to a 4DX theater. And me thinking, because I had been to a, to a specialized 3D theater before, but the movie I was seeing wasn't a 3D movie. And so we just watched the movie in the theater uh, because there wasn't like a 3D movie out at that time. But it had good sound and... Great sound, all that stuff, good screen mm-hmm. and everything. And so we went to a 4DX theater in Nashville 
And I was like, okay, well, this is not like a specialized 4D movie or anything. It's freaking Mission Impossible. It said on there 2D. Mm-hmm. It said reclining seats. It said reclining so I was like, seats. There's no way the seats are going to be like you're sitting in a flight simulator the entire time. <laughs> Never even popped in my mind that it would be like you were sitting in the flight simulator. But we were. <laughs> you were in a chair. If you're watching the video, like anytime something would happen, it would be like, yeah, moving all over the place like L- crazy, like Ace Ventura. And uh, driving through the jungle, <laughs> bouncing around. If you need to get up, if you need to get up to go pee, that's okay. Just stick your legs out, and the seat's gonna throw you out into the aisle. That's fine. You know, no problem. I was so mad. Was, I was so mad. Which about was this. making me laugh because every time the seat moved, I would just look over at Nate, and he was so annoyed because I wanted to be in a nice recliner, comfy, <laughs> laying back, looking at the nice screen with our amazing sound that just made your. Your chest rumble every time something happened. The sound was too low. It was very quiet. Yeah, could, the sound sucked. You could hear the sound of people rustling around in their popcorn to get the perfect combination of three pieces of popcorn in their hands before they took a bite. Everything and Nate wanted, he didn't. Get. It was the exact, exact opposite, opposite experience. <laughs> it was this. It was the scariest environment imaginable for me going to see a movie. I come, so I get my popcorn. I was in a different line, and Nate had already gone in the theater. And he meets me in the hallway. He's like, we can't go in there. I'm like, what do you mean we can't go in there? Like, what's wrong? We were- he's like, no, like the, the seats move. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, we got we to gotta find a different movie. Yeah. I'm like, what? I wanted to go to a different theater. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I was worried. We had, we had my mom with That's us. True. And I was worried that when she tried to get up, it was going to throw her down onto the floor. So I wanted to go see a different, yeah. but, and you have a broken back. And, <laughs> but once I found out that she was actually enjoying it, she was like, Oh, this is cool. Never done this before. I was like, okay, all right, fine. Yeah. At that point, I was only worried about the fact that the sound was so quiet. And then I was just mad about that. No, Daisy. The only option that we had was to turn the water off at our seats, <laughs> but that didn't matter. There because- wasn't much water. Yeah, there was a button for there was a button for water. water on or off. That was it. There was Whether water not, at some point though, because I felt I felt the mist. I felt yeah, the mist that mm-hmm. someone had their water on and the fog machines. It was so realistic, you know. I felt I was Tom Cruise. It really put you in the movie. Yeah. It was so. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy that kind of thing, then go see a movie in a 4DX theater sometime. But that's <sighs> probably my last experience, unless no. there's a movie that's specifically about roller coasters. Or you know, Top Gun probably would have been pretty cool. That might have been, yeah. I'm not going to lie. That probably would have been a cool movie mm. to see. So My first 4D experience like that, I think, was something to do with Shrek at like Planet, not Planet Hollywood, but whatever, down in Universal Studios. That I was like mm-hmm. 12, and I remember thinking that was cool then because it was a ride, literally. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to some stuff. It's Monday. I wanted to talk about a few things that Wait, went on. Wait, hang on. Jeff yeah. wants to know, he wants to know what the 4D XXX theater seats do. Now that is one that's probably worth the money, <laughs> I would say. Not that I would go there, but I bet it would be a good yeah. experience for some people. We can't talk about that on the radio anyway, Jeff. No, so. we can't. Yeah, stop trying to bomb our radio performance right now. That's right. All right, a few things that happened over the weekend. Let's recap. There's something that people are upset about right now that's going on in Florida, and I wanted to give a couple words on it. We'll play a video of Ron DeSantis talking about that. I will preface, however, that I have not read the curriculum of the Florida schools to see exactly what they are going to be teaching. But there is this, the the word going around is that part of this, of course, it's not going to be the entire curriculum. This is not, there's not going to be a class on why this was a good thing. But the word on X 
right now, which used to be called Twitter. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. The word is that Florida is teaching people that slavery benefited people who were enslaved uh, because they learned valuable skills that they were later uh, able to use in the market. And I, I hear arguments like this from time to time. And we'll play the uh, we'll play the DeSantis clip, and it's just not a good look. I'm I'm not uh, pumped about this as as a, as an argument that people are making. Well, let's listen to it. Well, you should talk to them about it. I mean, I didn't do it, and I wasn't involved in it. Um, but I think um, I think what they're doing is I think that they're probably going to show um, some of the folks that eventually parlayed, uh, you know, being a blacksmith into into doing things later later in life. Um, but the reality is, all of that is rooted in whatever is factual. They listed everything out. And if you have any questions about it, just ask the Department of Education. You can talk about those folks. But, I mean, these were scholars who put that together. It was not anything that was, um, that was done politically. All right. So the official word here is that um, he didn't do it as what he, is the main point that he wants people to By remember. By the way, that's why all these departments exist anyway. What? Oh, so, was he, so he can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look at this department over there. I didn't, I didn't do, do that. It. That was that guy over there. Yeah. If you want to be talked mad about someone. this before, that's that's why all these departments exist. They want to abdicate responsibility. It's a hand washing station. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. right. I don't like this argument, Charlie. And I'm not. Once again, I'm not saying that the entire curriculum, what they're teaching, has to do with how slavery benefited people. It could just be uh, something that they mention, and it's probably being blown out of proportion right now. And so I just wanted to clarify that. I got to say, that. just that clip, I don't see anything that he said that was... Well, I did. I mean, he talked about, you know, maybe they'll show somebody who learned a blacksmithing skill or something like that. Yeah, what I'm trying to figure out is why you would want to do that. Um, why, why would you want to talk about how someone learned a valuable skill while they were a slave that ended up helping them later in life? Like, what is the point in that? I, I don't under I don't understand it. Mm. Um, other than trying to, uh, you you could say that there's a lot of people that are really mad. People are talking about slavery a lot and reparations and you know justice and uh, there's discrimination and all that. Of course, we need to fix it. And maybe they want to uh, get the word out there that it wasn't all that bad. That there were that there were positives. That there were benefits. Uh, for for people that were here in the U.S. And I get the argument. People will also make the argument, LPNH made this argument recently, that uh, somewhat made this argument recently, that, uh, well, people that are in America because slaves were brought here are better off than people that are in Africa. And so if people would have been left in Africa, they would either not exist, they statistically wouldn't exist, you know, different timeline, different people would exist, um, or they, they'd be much worse off if people were still in Africa. Uh, than they are here. I, I get that, and that is probably true. It probably is, but to me, that it doesn't matter. I don't see why you would make that argument. You can't make the argument that, well, I know slavery was bad, but hey, look how much better off some people are because of it. That's a bad argument. That is an argument that, that gives leeway to a lot of other bad things if you go down that moral road with people. The answer is, 
Slavery was wrong. It doesn't matter if there's people that are better off now than they would have been. You should not appreciate where you are and say like, oh, okay, well, I guess I benefited from slavery. Slavery is wrong. It should never happen. It's against human morality and decency. Kind of like the COVID lockdowns. Just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just like that. You could argue like, well, we saved your life or whatever, but Hmm. it's like, okay, at what cost? At what cost should we all just be locked in a cell and never allowed to do anything dangerous because it would be better off for us? That's the problem I have with the argument. And if you're going to say, well, people learn valuable skills and these are some of the people who learned how to be a blacksmith while they were uh, a slave and they, and so they were able to use that later in life. What, what are you trying, what point are you trying to get Mm. across? Yeah. You know? I mean, okay, so let me just play devil's advocate here. Okay. The only thing I can... Do you want to advocate slavery? That's fine. No. <laughs> I obviously don't advocate for slavery, but I'm talking more on a personal level, right? So, like, you know, there's that old, um, that, you know, Chinese parable or whatever it is that talks about, but it's all maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the dad and his kid are farmers, and, um, you know, they don't get any rain or something like that, and or the horse, you know, runs off, and Did you hear the town's like, oh, that's so terrible. Your horse ran off and now you can't plant crops. And the farmer's like, maybe. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, the horse comes back with like 50 horses. Mm. And the town's like, oh, that's so great. You know, you have all these horses that came back and the farmer's like, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then um, his son is trying to break the horses so they can sell them. He's trying to ride them because they're all wild mares. And he, uh, he ends up breaking his leg. Mm, mm. And the, the town's like, oh, that's so, that's so terrible. And the farmer's like, maybe. And then, um, then the army tries to recruit him, you know, go off to war and die. But he can't because he's got a broken leg. And the town's like, that's great. Your kid broke his leg. And the farmer's like, maybe. The answer to everything is maybe. Mm-hmm. And so on a personal level, I think this is where it doesn't matter. Because we all go through suffering in life. And then in the midst of that suffering, you have a choice. Like you can either... Be a victim, which you may be a victim. I'm not saying that you're not a victim, and I'm not trying to downplay that. Trust me. I know. <laughs> All right? You may be a victim, but at the end of the day, you still get to make a choice on whether you're going to, to sit in that victimhood or you're going to say, hey, I can do something about this. I, I have a choice to make, and I can take responsibility for myself where I can and and move forward. So I think that's all I'm trying to say on a personal level. And I'm not saying obviously slavery is, slavery is wrong. It was wrong to, to enslave human beings. It was, I mean, there's nothing appropriate or moral about that in any way at all. But if you were a slave and you learned blacksmithing and then you became free, you could either wallow in the, suffering of victimhood of being a slave or you can say hey i learned a skill and i can go use this now to to better my life now that i'm free and i'm not saying you shouldn't get justice for that back then yeah i'm not saying i don't believe in that that's just on a personal level but to (laughs) but to make a broad sweep and be like well you know the ends justify the means we enslaved all these people and taught them skills yeah like, no. And I don't think that's the argument that they're making. That's what it's being made to look like. I doubt that's the argument that they're going to be making. But I don't like the argument at all. We can still just say, okay, this was terrible. We don't say how oh, these people benefited from it. No. that 
that leaves the door open for all sorts of things that people could benefit from if you just conscript them into doing whatever it is that you want them to do. And when you're teaching children the morality of something mm-hmm. and the history of something, like that's what you're kind of telling them. Maybe not outright, but you're teaching them that. So any anyhow, I kind of get why people are upset about this. I do assume it's being a little bit blown out of proportion. Okay, there's a few things maybe we can run through. Um, I just wanted to point out this annoyance I had. There was an article going around. Apparently, they have found an asteroid, and uh, it's it's getting closer to U.S. reach, I guess, with some of our technology, is what it says. doesn't mean it's closer to the U.S. than it is to any other countries. Uh, it just means that our technology uh, from, <clears throat> uh, I can't remember, Business Insider posted this article an asteroid loaded with 10 quintillion worth of metals edges closer to U.S. reach. 10 quintillion, or sorry. Quintillion. Quintillion dollars. So uh, 10 quintillion dollars. Yes, that's a weird word to say. So billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion uh, is the way that that would go for anyone who doesn't know. (laughs) Just want to let you know. Here's the problem. I mean, I see people taking this seriously, and I think one thing that drove me nuts about this was there's a movie called Don't Look Up uh, about an asteroid that's about to hit Earth. And uh, this is a spoiler alert for no one who has seen, for the people who haven't seen Don't Look Up. I will give you five seconds to not listen for the next minute. In the end of that movie, they decide not to just blow it up because they figure out that it's got a bunch of rare minerals, metals on it that they can use. And it's got however many trillions or quadrillions of dollars worth of metals. And that ends up being a downfall as people who decide that they want to make money off of it instead of just destroying it. And it's, of course, this big metaphor for climate change and all that. The problem is there's not 10 quintillion dollars worth of metals on this asteroid Number one, because there's not 10 quintillion dollars in circulation that could pay for all of those metals. (laughs) And whenever you increase the that much supply of those metals, then the value of those metals would plummet down to next to nothing. Okay. The reason that metal is worth what it is worth is because... I know. What is it, Charlie? Scarcity. Scarcity. Mm. And so when you introduce a nearly what seems to be unlimited supply of these metals... They will not be worth what they are worth anymore. Maybe if we could harvest it, though, we could bring about the commie dream. That's, that's, I think that's, we should try it. (laughs) Let's try it at least. I wanted to, listen, there's this whole thing that Twitter is about to switch over to X because Elon Musk is obsessed with the letter X and making it things. PayPal used to be X.com. You got SpaceX. You got the Tesla Model X. He named one of his kids X and a bunch of other random letters. Mm. Um, and now the logo on Twitter, I did see uh, when you go to the Twitter homepage or the, you know, your homepage is an X. There's no birth there. That's weird. Um, anymore. It's really weird. I don't know if they're actually going to change the name to like X or something. I don't know what they're going to do. If they're going to do that, that's really terrible, terrible, stupid Freaking terrible idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. This would be one of the first times I ever looked at something that Elon Musk was talking about and said, no, this is dumb. Quit being obsessed with the letter X. Mm. <laughs> Stop. Twitter is a brand. You tweet things. 
All right. When people have been saying it for years, when your brand has been turned into a verb or a way of describing things, you don't change it after that. It has entered the common vernacular of ways that people talk to each other. So you don't change it after that. You you Google things. Did you see what Musk axed? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't see that. Like that doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe in ten years, after you know, I have no idea. I, I I don't think this is a good idea. But what do I know? I'm not a genius billionaire. That's true. Maybe he's got some kind of grandmaster plan. It's supposed to be the everything app where we finally can do everything inside of one app. I guess I don't know what the dream is of this. It's just I don't know about this one, guys. Mm. I'm gonna be an Elon skeptic. I like what. Councilman Yeb says, instead of tweet, you can solve for. Mm, there we go. X equals. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever I say. It's whatever equals. you want it to be. Okay. I get it. As an engineer, you know, math genius guy, X must be a fun letter because it can be anything. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, t- well, TBD on that as well. Okay. Now let's get into some actual uh, political stuff. We got a thing. From the Daily Wire here, and the Biden Energy Department is proposing a new rule on water heaters. Mm. It's not just your gas stoves. Those tyrannical water heaters. You know, it's not just the uh, brick oven pizzas in New York that people are concerned about. Um, It's going to be your water heaters as well. So let's see. We got two articles here. Do you want to do this one or the next one, Charlie? Doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) Go ahead and do this one. All right. From the Daily Wire, thanks, Ben. The DOE, Department of Energy, announced on Friday a plan to crack down on some hot water heaters, part of a string oh of proposed... God. For a stop, even they did it. You don't have a hot water heater. If the water was hot, then you wouldn't need to heat it. You have a water heater, all right? If it were already hot water, then we wouldn't even be talking about mm. this. It's called a water heater. Water heater. Just so everyone knows, but it says hot water heater. Mm-hmm. In the article. Part of a string of proposed rules from the Biden administration on appliances that critics warn will limit consumer power. The new proposed rule would tighten requirements for water heaters, dictating that, quote, the most common sized electric water heaters to achieve efficiency gains with heat pump technology and gas fired instantaneous water heaters to achieve efficiency gains through condensing technology. I have no idea what any of that means. So there's Sounds two different like a bunch of gibberish. Two different things here. So electric water heaters, uh, they're gonna basically mandate that they have heat pump technology, and gas, uh, your instant water heater, like what you have, mm-hmm. uh, you, those have to have uh, a condensing, condensing technology. technology, and that's what they are proposing be mandated. Such standards would save consumers $11 billion annually on utility bills and $198 billion for Americans over a 30-year period, the Department of Energy said. The regulations would also reduce greenhouse gas emissions by roughly 500 million tons during the same time period. Today's actions, together with our industry partners and stakeholders... (laughs) Does everyone know what that means? The industry partners and stakeholders... Those are all the companies that are going to benefit from mm-hmm. these regulations. Those are the people that are paying them to make people buy more expensive water heaters. Yes. Those are the yeah. water heater companies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Improve outdated efficiency standards for common household appliances, which is essential to slashing utility bills for American families 
and cutting harmful carbon emissions. This proposal reinforces the trajectory of consumer savings that forms the key pillar of Bidenomics and builds on the unprecedented actions already taken by this administration to lower energy costs for working families across the nation. Now, why can't they sell these things? If, if it saves you money, okay, and it's, it's better for the environment, it's better for your home, it's better for your kids, why isn't everybody just switching over to them? That's a great question, Charlie. Wouldn't you think, why would the government need to force such a good thing upon you? Um, let, me, uh, <clears throat> let me tell you. You think I didn't already do my mm-hmm. digging on this, but I did. This is the uh, water heater, your normal. This is a 4,500-watt double-element electric water heater from A.O. Smith, a 50-gallon water heater. Cost $489 on Lowe's website and the 50 gallon, the 4,500 watt double element electric water heater with a heat pump cost $1,950. Almost Almost a a 400% increase. Almost the whole $1,500 more than the regular water heater. Both come with free pickup or free delivery. There you go. Looks like there's the, there's the free market part in Mm -hmm. action right there. Um, so it's the, for your benefit, folks. As uh, Thomas Massey said uh, right here, Thomas Massey said, leave us alone. These products already exist in the free market. Consumers should decide whether the upfront cost of a heat pump water heater is worth the possible long-term savings. In many cases, the monthly savings never make up for the upfront cost of the equipment. Heat pump water heaters can save energy, but they make less sense in northern climates. That's because they extract heat from the surrounding air, warm air that your furnace will have to work harder to replace. There's no free lunch from these water heaters in the winter. Heat pump water heaters also take a long time to make a tank of hot water, but on-demand water heaters make hot water as needed, avoiding heat losses from a big tank. Depending on personal circumstances, cheaper on-demand heaters might be more economical than mandated heaters. I think he would know. He's, He's a... Pretty smart guy. Yeah. He knows about this stuff. Oh, so this is the government helping us. They're going to save us money. And like you like you brought it up perfectly, Charles, if, if it's so obvious that we're going to save money on it, then why aren't people just buying the $1,900 water heater from Lowe's? And that's because that's a large upfront cost. You know what else is funny? People are going to end up having to uh, finance that with a interest rates as high as they are right now, Lowe's is going to give you some kind of special deal for six months or something, 0%, more than likely. If you have good credit, uh, they'll do that for you. But um, yeah, this is going to, I just had to replace my water heater last year because my other one blew up. It just like burst, just popped. Really? Out the side, water going everywhere. Did it implode or explode? It exploded. Mm. Yeah. And um, not like fireball or anything, but... So you can't use that to go underwater. It was my fault. I was pressure washing the house the day before that. I left the pressure washer connected to the outside faucet, Mm. which is right by the water heater. I did not unhook the pressure washer from it. It kept a bunch of pressure loaded up in the line and sent a bunch of back pressure back up into the line, causing the water heater to explode. Mm. And so since I know how to install water heaters, I just went and got one. And put it in, and it was that four hundred eighty nine dollar one. You didn't from get the two thousand dollar one. I didn't because it's. I'm not going to be in the house 
for the 20 years it's going to take me to eventually make back the money that that water heater is going to save me. Mm. And so I got the cheaper one because this was an unexpected expense and I did not want to go spend two grand on a water heater. I just spent eight grand on a new freaking HVAC unit last year, you know? Probably has all kinds of efficiencies built into it. You know? We haven't seen the electric bill go down. And For we, your own good. We switched from a... Well, that's because of climate change. That's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I know. All we these things saved, are explainable. We would have saved money if not for the climate change. Exactly. We need to try and mandate things harder mm-hmm. next time. That's that's right. Oh man, this is they're from the government, Charlie, and they're here to help. <laughs> you know. Um, speaking of people being from the government, <sighs> this is a pillar of Bidenomics, by the way. I just want I just want you guys to know they've really they have really taken that term. It's it's crazy how they did it because. When we had really high inflation and all that stuff going on, uh, people making fun of Joe Biden, talking bad about Joe Biden, would call this Bidenomics. And so if you were to look up like hashtag Bidenomics on something, uh, it would bring up all of these people talking about the crazy inflation and prices going up, gas prices, what they used to be, hashtag Bidenomics. And so what they did was they took that term and now every time they talk about something that they are portraying as being a good thing that they're going to do for you, it's now Bidenomics. Mm. And now that's what you see uh, when you look at Bidenomics. They've tried to take over that term, although they're, they're not going to be able to do it as well as all the people who are making fun of him. But <laughs> you know the thing. One more time that the government is going to be here to help you. Uh, the Washington Post had a good article about tariffs that are likely on the way. And they say on products that are purchased by poor people, and we're looking at more tariffs. And this is, of course, to protect a small number of people's jobs. Uh, but we're going to put tariffs on these things. So let's go to the, listen, as libertarians. Small number of people's jobs at the expense of everyone else. As libertarians, are we in favor of tariffs? No. No. Why? You like China? <laughs> no, because they don't work. No. they it just they, shifts the cost onto the consumer. They make things more expensive. They don't actually achieve their goal until they make things more expensive. And the problem with tariffs is that it takes an item that you could get for a dollar when it was made somewhere else, and it makes it cost $2 because someone was making it here, and that takes the purchasing power of your dollars away. You could have bought more things that could have gone into the economy and provided other jobs and made things more efficient. And instead, you're spending more money than you otherwise would have on some kind of, on some good. Now you might say, well, we don't want to be dependent. Well, this is another thing that could exist in the free market. Do you think that there aren't more expensive goods that you could buy that aren't being produced in whatever country they're putting the tariffs on? You could, if you wanted to. Instead, they forcefully make those items more expensive for you uh, without even asking you about it, you Mm -hmm. know? All right, yet more tariffs may be coming on products purchased by the poor, Washington Post, and Catherine Rambell... Wrote this once again. Rample. Rample. Once again, the U.S. government is weighing tariffs that will threaten jobs in the name of boosting employment, raise prices for low-income consumers in the name of helping the working class, and alienate our allies in the name of fighting back against economic adversaries. That's a great opening paragraph. Nice job, Catherine. Catherine. Good job, Kathy. The tariffs under consideration by the Commerce Department and International Trade Commission would fall on tin-plate steel a component used in cans for goods such as tuna, soup, diced tomatoes, and other consumer staples. 
I'll tell you what, I don't know if you remember back in the band life, Charlie, but those cans of tuna and chicken mm-hmm. are lifesavers. Chef Borardi's. I don't, I don't think I would be here today if it weren't for those mm-hmm. things. You know, to be clear, these cheese tariffs, dip, cheese dip, cheese dip. When'd you have cheese dip? Like the Frito, the Frito oh, cheese dip. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's some. Ah, that's not poor people's stuff. It was. To be clear, these tariffs would be in addition to the many, many other metal tariffs that the U.S. has imposed over the years, including steel and aluminum duties levied in 2018 by President Donald Trump. That episode provides a useful case study, one whose lessons U.S. officials still haven't learned. Though those tariffs were imposed ostensibly to protect our national and economic security, they instead harmed the U.S. economy and geopolitical standing. So Imagine there's, that. there's actually been studies on the effects of things like the Trump tariffs. So thank you, Trump, for being a Republican president that everyone hated that actually enticed people to do studies on how bad one of the policies was. And what ANCAP Trucker says here, food's getting expensive again, as if a grocery cart full doesn't already cost $300. You know, I've yet to go to the grocery store, even without a full cart, and spend less than $150. Mine's, ours has been 200 it's, lately. Well, it's just mean. I know. <laughs> you must be getting some nice stuff. And I have Parker every other week. That's so true. That makes sense. That's you know? actually, that's right. Yeah. yeah. One and a half people. One and a half. That's right. <laughs> I, I just, Every time I go, every, mm. I'm just like, every time they ring it up, I'm like, that can't be right. Mm. It can't be. It used to be like, used to be like 75, 80 bucks. Not anymore. Literally doubled. That's Bidenomics for you. Mm. Yeah. After all, talking about these uh, previous tariffs, They benefited the relatively small U.S. steel industry at the expense of the much larger American sectors that use steel, such as the manufacturers of automobiles and household appliances. At the time the tariffs were announced, the number of jobs in the U.S. industries that relied on steel products made from steel or products made from steel was roughly 80 times the number of jobs within the steel production industry itself. Let me say that again. The industries that relied on steel the jobs in those industries are 80 times the amount of people who work in the steel industry. And tariffs are normally imposed as a way to protect jobs in America's steel industry. But this is at the expense of 80 times the amount of people that work in other industries that depend on that steel. Just to lay that out Isn't in a different that way. something? Trump's tariffs helped drive steel prices sharply higher in the U.S. Uh, than they were in other countries, which meant all those downstream U.S. firms had to pay more. This, in turn, led to an estimated 75,000 fewer jobs in manufacturing than would have existed in the absence of those trade restrictions. As for the few jobs within the steel industry that were protected by the tariffs— They came at a high cost. U.S. consumers and businesses paid more than $900,000 per year for every job that was preserved or created, according to estimates. So they put in the tariffs to protect U.S. steel jobs. The increase in prices therefore cost the the American people $900,000 per job that was saved in the steel industry by the tariffs. (laughs) And that's what we all paid for it. Mm. And so helpful. Those people were probably not getting paid $900,000, but that is what we ended up paying for each job uh, that was saved. So I cut off the rest of the article and just wanted to mention on this for a moment that I, I understand the rationale behind 
tariffs when we talk about, you know, we had the pandemic and we were relying on other countries for some of our goods and it sent us into some shortages. And so you're relying too heavily on China or whoever it is. And, and there's a natural inclination uh, to move towards wanting everything to be produced in America because that way we don't rely on all these other people. And I think some of those things should be produced in America. And if they want to produce those, they should, they should produce them. And if they cost more, then they should cost more. And then the people should decide whether or not they want to pay more for those items that are produced in America, or maybe they're higher quality goods. And so you're going to buy them at Publix instead of Save-A-Lot or wherever it is that you're, that you're buying. Is Save-A-Lot still a store? I think so. Okay. Used to go there, you know, mm. back in the day. So um, it, that's your decision. Back before you were a famous podcaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hardly remember those, those times, the poor times, you know? Yeah. I finally found my bootstraps. <laughs> and I lifted as hard as anyone has ever lifted in the history of mankind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's not good for the entire population of America they frame it as saving jobs or being self-reliant, but at what cost? And there is a cost associated with this. The most important thing is that we use our money in the most efficient manner possible so we can use the leftover money on other things that we want. And this just ends up, I don't, it ends up hurting everyone and helps almost no one except for the people who run these industries. And, you know, there's... <laughs> I was thinking about what it also does to prices downstream. Of course, it raises prices. And it made me think that last article about the uh, heat pumps, water heaters. Currently, that costs, what, 1950 bucks was that water heater? Mm -hmm. What do you think it's going to cost when it's the only option? When you don't have a cheaper option to go to? More. You think it's still going to cost 1950 bucks? Of course it won't. No. It'll be, uh, who knows? Who knows? What, but they'll probably subsidize it. You know, That's, and so it'll be cheaper for you. Whose money are they going to use to subsidize yeah. it? They're going to use your money. Man, they're so good at helping, they're aren't just, they? Yeah, that's all they do. <laughs> they just help. They sit around in rooms and wonder how they can help with their industry partners and stakeholders. Yes. I can't believe that they actually said that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We could talk about the health expenditure thing real quick. We don't have a ton of time left, but um, Nina Turner has been on a rampage and the rules of her rampage is that she says uh, as many dumb things as possible inside of one day. And she's doing a great job. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to commend her on that. Uh, she put out this chart from our world in data uh, that says life expectancy versus health expenditure. And if you're not watching the video, you'll see on the chart that you got a whole bunch of countries that pay less per person, per capita, uh, and have a higher life expectancy. And then you have the U.S. at the bottom of this, which pays more per person and uh, has a lower life expectancy, albeit the life expectancy, expectancy differences is by a few years. Uh, but still, uh, that can matter. And Nina says this is what privatized healthcare has gotten us. Now... Charlie, would you des describe our healthcare system as a privatized healthcare system? No. 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 Now there are privatized <clears throat> there are private companies who reap the profits of the system that we have. Uh, but are those private companies making all of the 
decisions. No, it's completely government regulated. No, it's actually it's really close to like a fascist healthcare system yeah. where you get the private ownership of the company, but the government controls all of the rules. Everything that you do is based on government rules. There's like not a th not a thing that you can do that there aren't that there's not a whole book of rules on that people have to go through. And so calling the privatized healthcare industry was annoying to me. Uh, so I brought up the other thing. You can't just say that it's because of the healthcare system. You'd also have to look at a very, very big factor between the USA and, say, Norway and Japan and South Korea and Denmark and Germany and the UK and Switzerland and all the other countries that are on here. The really big thing you'd have to look at would be the obesity rates. America is a very fat country per capita. Our weight per capita is much higher than those other countries, which is going to take years off of your life. All right, you can't just blame that. Even if you were going to say we had a totally privatized healthcare system, you can't just blame it on that. You got to look at the health culture of the country, and we are a much fatter nation per capita. There's than no these other obesity problem in America. There is. That's okay? for sure. And that's because we have a free market in food for the most part. <laughs> so, you know, we got way more food than, uh, than we need. So I pointed out some stats on this. Just, just so we know, the chart that Nina posted goes from 1970 up to 2018, which would be like some of the most recent data that they had for that chart. And uh, during that time, the third-party payment as a percentage of our total national health expenditures, the money that was spent on, on health care, third-party payment, meaning you didn't pay it yourself, uh, grew from 68% to 90% of the healthcare expenditures. The public health expenditures as a percentage grew from 22% to 42.5% over that time. It almost doubled as a portion of how much money was being spent on things. Out-of-pocket and private insurance used to be 53.1% and now it's 38%. Okay, another good status that out-of-pocket used to be 30... Um, out-of-pocket used to be 32.7% in 1970, and now it's 10.2%. And that's in 2021. And so is that a healthcare industry being privatized at that moment? Or is that actually the public health side of that equation? Increasing. Basically doubled during that time. And then you also have an increase in the amount of that health insurance was paying. So more people having health insurance, more people get health insurance from their jobs than they were getting in 1970 as well. So a lot more people are using health insurance for more and more things. And also health insurance is mandated to cover more and more things. And so it's picking up a bigger portion of the pie. And as you have multi-billion dollar industries or you have multi-trillion dollar government paying for things, the expense that is allowable that people will charge and that will get paid for those expenditures continues to go up and up and up as opposed to if it were just uh, me or Charlie going to pay for something, they would actually be uh, restricted by a free market payment system in that time. So that's, that's one little portion of about a, a, a thousand different things that we could point out for why healthcare is so expensive. Healthcare is too expensive. It is. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's private. No. Because it's not. No. <laughs> it's, 
So it can't. So it can't. <laughs> it's be. impossible for that yeah. to be the problem. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to mention one of Nina. Also, she was on a on a roll uh, the other day. She said, "Either we have single payer health care, or private companies will profit off illness. There isn't a middle ground." Can't argue with that. <laughs> Either we have single payer health care, or private companies are going to profit. She's like, it's one of two options. No. That's it. Those are the only two things. And so what she's in, in, insinuating there is that in a single payer healthcare system, private companies are not going to profit from things. <laughs> but a single payer healthcare system, all it says is that the government's going to be the payer for all the things and the private companies are still going to do it. But she's saying that they're not going to profit off of people. Well, they may only profit like 10%. You know, they'll move those margins down, Nate. Look at that. You know, like the same brain. So I said profit will be outlawed under single payer. And this person said, no, you can make a little above your production cost. But to fight for these companies making millions, if not billions, uh, off sick and dying Americans is disgraceful. So this person says that we should use cost plus. Mm -hmm. And guess what's going to happen? That's their idea. The cost is going to go the way cost, up. The cost goes up. And in fact, Charlie, I thought it was a great time. Just like when you're a server, okay? Like, look, <laughs> True. The, your job as a server is to increase the ticket mm -hmm. price. And that's because most people will pay your tip in, as a percentage of the total bill. And so the higher you can get that bill by selling desserts and appetizers and drinks, the higher you can get it, you're, you're the more likely chance you are to have a, a higher tip. So you increase the cost of production so that your percentage, your plus amount increases. That's actually, that's a great analogy. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever used that analogy. before, but that's, yeah, that's really good. I like that. Um, I thought we should have Spike Cohen talking about this because Spike uh, already talked to us about Cost Plus, and this would be great for the radio as well. All right. So Cost Plus <laughs> is the idea that the problem with the cost of healthcare is that there's too much profit in it, right? And so if you just tell people, if you just tell the hospitals and the healthcare providers, well, you can only charge a percent more than you're paying for the product or service, then that'll make it cheaper because they can't profit as much, right? There's no way that they could game that. There's no way that I, as a doctor who is trying to figure out how to make sure I'm getting everyone paid and still put money in my pocket and pay off my student loans and everything else, there's no way that I figure that instead of buying this saline bag, IV bag for a dollar and being able to make 10 cents off of it, that instead I could buy this saline bag for $300 and make $30 profit off of it and know that I can charge that much because I'm not charging the patient directly most of the time. I'm charging a multi-billion dollar insurance pool that's required by law to, <laughs> to pay it. There's no way I would do that, right? There's no way that would when happen. When you say it that way, it sounds perfectly rational. <laughs> this cost plus is probably, I would say possibly the single biggest contributor to the spiraling out of control cost of especially hospital services. It is a direct result of all of the providers going, oh yeah, we don't want you to make too much profit on our $700, you know, IV uh, uh, catheter or whatever. Like, I mean, the, the char things they're charging are as a direct, it's like what government, government is under cost plus. Government 
they're contractors. They can only charge a certain percent more than they cost. And that's how you end up with a $23,000 hammer. So they took that amazing economic uh, uh, prospect uh, policy and moved it to the healthcare sector. And wonder of wonder, now hospital services cost a fortune. You also. All right. That, that's right. Now, it does work. I will say it will work in the private market, like what Mark Cuban is doing with mm -hmm. costplusdrugs.com because his whole goal is to actually save consumers money. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to find the cheapest actual cost of these medications and then only add the 15% profit on top of it, which is saving people thousands of dollars. But once it gets to the point where it's no longer saving anybody money, no one's going to use it. Yeah. But he's having to compete in a free market way against <clears throat> other companies that don't, but like Spike said, because they can charge this multi-billion dollar pool of insurance that people are forced to pay into and therefore can can continue to suckle uh, the, the teat. The teat <laughs> of the plus. Uh, yeah, Jeff, that's the interview where we had a Spike and Nate's uh, chicken shack or whatever it was that we okay. came up. That's in the... Uh, uh, it's that's towards the end of this. It'll be a cost plus we're, chicken check. Yeah. Well, we were talking about CON laws at that time, and and um, anyway, it was a it's a great interview. I'll uh, I'll put the link to this video in the show notes for everyone. Charlie, we gotta go. It's time. The, the government they're they're here. Yeah, to help. All right. Just so you know, you should advocate for more of it. <laughs> they should be running everything. I don't know why we try to do anything. I know. Shouldn't it you know? be so much easier if we just let those people do everything? That's right. You know, like why would you want to make any decisions in your life? You know, it's too much. Would it be nice if everything was decided for you? These people running businesses, trying to get people stuff. Yeah. Like, why are they doing that? Why do you want different things to eat yeah. on different days? You should just, just have just the like same a, thing provided for you. Just let like a board vote on it mm -hmm. or something. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it around. It's one of the best things that you can do for us, and we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all the listeners, all the new people, all the people that have been with us for years now. Uh, thank you for coming and joining every day. Thank you for continuing to share the show. So since I'm thanking you for that, you should share it. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, then that just makes you a liar because you haven't shared it, and I'm thanking you for sharing. I hope that made sense. Should I tell the people in the live group after we get done with this recording the new special task that I've been asked to do Yes, in the movement. Mm -hmm. Which you can only find out if yeah. you join the live group, by the way. So <laughs> join gml.com or go to godhatesfeds.com. There you can pick up some lovely merchandise to help support the show with some money. Uh, it's a cost plus merchandise shop. Mm -hmm. you know, we take the cost of the item and we only add a very, very tiny proportion of profit for Nate. And then eventually when we get big enough, we will pay the government to outlaw all of the other retailers that sell shirts mm -hmm. and we will still just do cost plus. That's right. All right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to work fine. Even though the shirts are going to cost us a hundred bucks, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so go there. There's a link also for the Fed Haters Club on GodHatesFeds.com. Do all those things and we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty. Liberty.